an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. If we really want to, beyond being okay with what is and accepting what is, the trick is to pivot from pushing against what you don't want to really focusing on what you do want. And in that pivot, so let's use the gym example, right? So if I catch myself going, I should go to the gym. Wait, 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 hold on. Nope. Amy said, don't should on myself. Okay, so I'm not going to should on myself. So wait, if it's not a should, it's a want. So actually, what do I want? So then you turn, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to feel good. I want to feel energized. Now, just in that simple pivot, the moment you pivot into what you do want, all of a sudden, all these possibilities emerge that were nowhere available when you were doing this pushing. And you might be, oh, wait, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to call my friend. We're going to go. I'm going to see if she wants to run around the marina. And so all of the things that you want to realize, such as connection and being in touch with nature and health and all that stuff, all of a sudden it becomes the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, I am so excited to introduce you to Amy Wong. She is the founder of Always On Purpose, a keynote speaker and a transformational coach. We are gonna have so much fun. She teaches people how to empower professionals and leaders, and she helps them to accomplish their personal and professional goals, as well as achieve things that they never thought possible. She has worked for over 20 years in the field of transformation and worked with wonderful companies such as Airbnb, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Facebook, as well as universities like Stanford and Berkeley. She is amazing. We've already had so much fun talking and we have very similar beliefs about transformation and how it is a holistic approach that we have to take in order to transform our life and health. Amy Wong, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, Amy Stark, thank you for having me. This is awesome. So excited for this conversation. How did you get involved in this to begin with? How did you get started? Mm. I'm assuming that this kind of meaning this this realm of coaching. Yeah, this speaking. realm of yeah. coaching. Yeah. yeah. And understanding that it's a holistic approach. Like, oh, yeah. Did you go through a dark night of the soul? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. 100%. I, th- I think we all have to in order to really all blossom, right, right? Starting at a young age, I was really, really rather spiritually hungry, very fascinated with all things consciousness. I was really lucky because I was born into a family, a lot of love, a lot of communication. And my mom and my grandma, very metaphysical. And so some of my best earliest memories are the three of us at the the kitchen table up at my grandma's farm, grandma and grandpa's farm. And we're talking about how thinking is positive and all of the things that they used to study and, and around all things spirituality. And I just, I was enthralled. I loved it. 
it just carried with me and, and that thread of just really understanding that it's all connected in the mind-body connection. And I have a vivid memory. It was fifth grade. I'm in the library with my mom, public library, and I'm in the personal development spirituality section. And I stumble upon Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk, and pull out one of his books. And I just was drawn to this book on mindfulness. And I remember devouring that book in fifth grade. And that's kind of when I started my wow. meditation, or at least understanding the power of mindfulness. Now, did I become an avid meditator then? No, <laughs> I was way too focused on playing tag and hide and seek and all those fun things. But, but you know, growing up, I, I ended up leaning towards the, the field of math. And so became very, very passionate about math, hmm. studied math. I was also a musician, played piano, but very technical, very rigorous, very academic. And I became extremely driven and I was so driven. I mean, almost obsessive compulsive driven. And so that really took over. And, you know, the spirituality part of me was always there. But the way I talk about this was back then I was a human being reaching for spirituality. I was a human being that had it in my back pocket, but it wasn't a big part of who I was, but it was there, but it just wasn't present. And then came the dark night of the soul. Mm. <laughs> and that, it was a lot of stuff leading up to it. And I share, I share this in my book, Living on Purpose, because I think it's really helpful to understand where a lot of my tenants come from, but I developed a horrible eating disorder. And that and the work that I went through in order to overcome that trauma and to heal from that, because it was many years of, of really being subjected to that hell healing plus then having a child he's 14 now so my husband and I when we had our first child it was a big wake up call for me at this point in my life quite successful i'm working at sun microsystems i'm doing really well my life looks great on paper our life looks great on paper and yet i have this child and i'm like why do i feel so lost mm. and what hit me was oh my gosh okay i've never experienced a love like this and I am definitely not going to go back to work because I'm, I was so confronted. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like having a child or a life altering event where it really forces you to look at yourself. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going back to work because it is so not important. It's, I mean, it's not who I am, but wait, but I'm not a stay-at-home mom. And yet I'm not, but if I'm not my accomplishments and I'm not my title, then who am I? And wow. Mm massive breakdown, <laughs> but then came the breakthrough and, yeah. it, and it was nothing short of a divine download. And I'll tell yeah. you, it was so profound. Boom, hit me. And the insight was Amy going about it all wrong. It's not about figuring it out. It's about feeling it out. Mm. And the wisdom of that statement, not just the concept, but the wisdom just really, truly integrated through all aspects of my system and my body and my perception. And in that moment, everything changed. And it, immediately I, I, I just, I, the next step I took was really truly the path of this work that I'm in. So that was over a decade ago, but by, by this massive shift, really by feeling it, feeling it out, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole part of me I'm not attending to. So I went back to school, got my master's in transpersonal psychology, having no clue what I was going to do with it. <laughs> I just thought it was fascinating. I was like, I must study this. It's so funny. Cause my husband's like, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, are you licensed for anything? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the best part. I'm just going to go study it. And beautifully, synchronistically, and not magically, just divinely, the path just emerged and coaching mm -hmm. found me and boom, off we went and just to the races it's been. And it's just really been truly, I get to, I say, I live a miracle every day now that I'm 
oh, here in this, it. in this work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you find what you're supposed to be doing here, it, nothing feels better. It's true. It's the true path from the soul. It's the direct yeah. path from the soul. And, and there's know? no outside motivation that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like it all comes from within and you just show up because it feels like the thing you're supposed to be doing and, and yeah. any other way is not authentic. That's yeah, right. I mean, we that's have right. so many things that we both have looked at and, and feel are important. Like presence and trust and resilience and leading an authentic life. So I am excited for some tidbits because I know you, you're great at offering some little things that we could take away and use in our daily lives. How can we feel ease during uncertainty? Oh, that's a big question. And it's a really powerful question. And so my math brain pops up often. (laughs) And what I love to do is I love to take really complex concepts and break it down into really digestible, very logical principles that are easy to follow. And as much as I love the subjective and the spiritual and the nonlinear and the somewhat illogical, I crave the objective. And let's just, let's just make this, break this down in its simplest components. So here's what I'm going to do. do it. I'm going to kind of break this down so that people can see where dis- unease, the because it's not uncertainty that drives people nuts. It's the anxiety that comes from uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? So what I, what I want to propose is that all negative emotion as mild as, let's say, apathy, because that's really mild. It's not an overt negative emotion, but let's say as mild uh, uh, as apathy all the way down to depths of despair, depression, can't even get out of bed, okay? All of it along that entire range of negative emotion, all of it is caused by one thing. And, And I share this because when you get this, it truly can become a game changer. Now, anxiety, This is a big experience for a lot of people. That's a negative emotion. Anxiety coming from uncertainty is really, it's, it's, it's all from this, okay? Here it is. Here we are in our now moment, in our present reality. And as soon, the moment we push against what is, the moment we resist what is in any way, shape, or form. So if you could see me with my body language, I'm literally pushing against my hands. The moment we push against and resist what is, boom, we drop below neutral into a negative emotion. And so what I'm proposing here is that all negative emotion is simply and purely a resistance to what is. And to the degree that we push is to the degree of the intensity of the negativity. You might be thinking, huh, wait a minute, hold on. Is that true? So we'll just test this out for a second. Let's let's use a common example. Let's talk about commuter traffic, <laughs> right? Like hop in the car. Let's imagine it's Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday today for us, yeah, right? So yeah. let's imagine you're going to go somewhere. You're super excited. You hop in the car and it's like, oh my gosh, what normally takes 20 minutes now is going to be an hour and 15, ah, right? Normally for most people, what happens is we, ah, we get all frustrated, maybe even angry, right? And the natural instinct is to say, well, it's the traffic traffic causes negativity. And we say, well, no, it's not the traffic. It's your relationship to the traffic. Mm-hmm. Traffic is just traffic. But the moment you push against the traffic, now you've caused yourself to be neutral. And, you're, and everybody be like, well, hold, but who, who doesn't push against traffic? So it's got to be traffic. I'm like, well, let's, let's come up with another scenario. Let's imagine that you're at the office. It's Friday and you've had a great day and you hop in the car and you're coming home. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh no, we agreed to have dinner with our annoying neighbors and attend their Tupperware party and on. Oh, it's from five to eight. Ugh. And then you're like, oh gosh. And so you get in the car and then all of a sudden traffic and you're like, oh, 
Yes, I've got a legit reason to take my time and listen to podcasts like Amy's, which is amazing, and have this awesome time and be late and miss all of that drama. And so now you're happy. So this is where, you know, I share this because in order to really be at ease with uncertainty, we have to understand where the dis-ease or the lack of ease comes from, which is purely just a resistance to what is. So what is that resistance? Role resistance is overt pushing against, like I'm describing here with traffic. That's obvious. But resistance is a bit more, it can be a little more subtle, right? So resistance is anytime there's judgment. Well, what is judgment? Judgment is the thinking that either I should be different, you should be different, or circumstances should be different, right? So that's what judgment is. So anytime we're thinking that, that's resistance. Anytime we're comparing ourselves to now versus another time or us to other people, when there's that negative comparison, that's resistance because we're essentially pushing against ourselves. Or, and then just, we can look about it this way. Anytime you're feeling any negative emotion, whether it's anxiety, frustration, disappointment, anger, all of that is just purely a symptom of pushing against what is. We don't often think about it this way, but there is so much relief in recognizing that that's where the anxiety is coming from. So here's the, here's the solution. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of just, this is life. There's there, you know, one thing is for certain about life. There's not much that's certain, but one thing is certain is that nothing's predictable <laughs> and everything's changing, right? And so when you can take that as a truth, that change is constant, change is inevitable, but we, we, we can't predict where it's going to go. When we can accept that truth, then really the work is to let things be as they are and to get rid of the should. And then the moment you just say, oh, okay, this is what is, this is what's true right now. This is what is right now. Huh. And the moment you let go of that resistance, you reclaim all that bandwidth that you use to push against now for new thoughts, which are, huh, actually, here's what I can do with what is. Here's how I can approach what is. Here I can start thinking about and what is. It's not that I'm, I'm advocating that people become doormats and tolerate crap, mm-hmm. that they just say, oh, it's just about, well, this is just what is. No, 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 no. It's about reclaiming the bandwidth that was spent pushing against that, that is there for you to be innovative, mm-hmm. there for you to be imaginative, there for you to be empathetic and compassionate with self. And it's in that unlock that really a new reality can emerge. Right. Absolutely. I 100% agree. We do waste a lot of our time doing things that aren't serving us, keeping us feeling stuck and like a victim versus switching in this and feeling empowered and like, okay, so this wouldn't have been my first choice. Like I'm stuck in traffic for an hour and a half. However, this is the case. So what am I going to do with this hour? Like how or hour and a half? I love I love that mindset shift. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you think that is easily done in the moment? Like, is there something that you love to say to people? Like if you catch yourself like <laughs> yeah. spinning yeah. or whatever, like yeah. how do you, how do you suggest we get out of that? Well, you want to take it deeper because there's more to this. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, please it's, do. yeah. It's so much fun. And this is one of my favorite conversations because I have found this, what we're about to talk about usually provides the most relief for people. And what's interesting is that that's exciting for me because what's the opposite of resistance? Relief. And so that to me is a sheer, like that's the indicator that we are definitely moving in the direction of increased thriving. So this is where I get it. I'm like, okay, let's take it further. So here it is. So it, if it's clear that resistance is the cause of all things negativity, the idea then is to release this resistance as much as possible so that we can be up in positive states where there's more flow, right? Because what's the opposite of resistance? Flow. What's flow? Flow is positive. In order to catch resistance, 
I've realized there is where is a really powerful shortcut way to get right to the heart of the way in which we sustain unnecessary resistance and we don't even realize it. Let's see if you can identify the common denominator as I as I kind of spell out where we usually hold resistance. Okay. So let's try boredom. Boredom is a negative emotion. That's predicated on the thought there's something I should be doing. Confusion. There's something I should know. Disappointment. That shouldn't have happened. Frustration. You shouldn't be like that. Anger. You should be different. I should be different. So have you picked up on that common denominator? Judgment. Judgment. Yes. And it's so subtle that uh, it's the word should. Yeah, should. Yeah, should. And that's it. You're right. It's judgment. It's should. That's exactly right. And so we don't really stop to think about, well, what the heck is going on with this word should? And I propose and I suggest that should truly is the worst word in the English language. (laughs) There there is no good with this word. And we are all conditioned to use it thinking that it helps us when in fact, this is exactly what's holding us underwater. Now, here's what's going on with the word should. It's fascinating, but Rarely do we stop and think about like, what is going on with this word should? So here's what's going on. <laughs> I can't Sit wait back. to tell you about the word that came to me yesterday. And I was like, wait a second, what is this doing in the English language? Go ahead. Should? Was yeah. that also No, no, should? it wasn't should. It was doing versus being. But Oh, oh um, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People say, how are you doing? And it's like, why are you assuming I'm actually doing something? Like, and why and now I feel less productive because I might not have an answer for that instead of just being. Why, what's wrong with me being? Right. So anyway, go ahead. Oh my God. Put a pin in that one. That is yes. so fun. Okay, I know. I was back to right that. when I was falling asleep, that was coming to me. I was like, damn it. I'm angry that that's been like pervasive. <laughs> oh my God. We're coming. We're so coming back to that. That's so good. <laughs> and so very much like that, how you feel about that. I feel about the word should, because here's what should implies. And we rarely stop to think about it, but here's, here it is. Should implies that there is some fixed reality out there that represents the standard ideal, the good life, the the way we're just, we have to do it just so in order to question what? I don't know, feel good. All right, okay. But now you have to like, wait a minute. But that there is no imaginary standard out there. There is no big book in the sky that says if you're gonna live the good life, you're gonna do it. You have to do it just like this. You gotta get the degree, you gotta get the job. You got to make this amount of money. You got to have the house with white picket fence. And you got to have how, you know, two kids and a car and a dog and like that, that doesn't exist. And, and so the reality, and this is such an eye opener and sometimes I get pushback, but I'll, I'm going to talk through this. There is no way things should be period. There's just the way they are. There's the way we want them, but there is no way they should be. And this is where people say, well, hold on. We shouldn't kill each other. And I say, okay, I'm with you on this life. I'm like, I'm with you on this idea that like, we don't want to harm each other. But let's look at this from a pure logical standpoint. When it comes to existence, we don't know anything. In fact, like, Amy, I'm meeting you for the first time. You're on my Zoom screen. I don't even know for 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 fact that you actually exist. My I, perception tells me that you exist. I have five senses that are picking up on this reality and it and it's telling me that you exist. Now guess what? We're in agreement that you exist and right. I like that agreement and I'm going <laughs> to stick with that agreement, but is it a fact? No. All that I could ever say for certain is that I exist. Mm-hmm. Everything out there is just a perception. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that's the only truth, then what do we do now from here? Well, we make agreements. So guess what? We make agreements that we don't kill each other. We make Mm -hmm. agreements that we are kind. We make agreements about the golden rule and all of these things. I love those agreements. And we want and we will abide by those as best as we can. Great. 
But is there some should reality that says it's got to be just like this? No. And so without checking that out, then what happens is we hold ourselves hostage to some completely unacknowledged imaginary standard that holds us below the neutral line in negative emotion. Because here, here's where we take it further. And, and this is why should really is an indicator of, of resistance. So I'm going to spell this out. I don't know if there's going to be a visual for this podcast, but I'm going to use my body language. Yeah, yeah, please do. Funny. Yeah, we will. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm going I'm to show my, use my body language. So let's imagine, just for the sake of argument here, let's imagine that everything that you could ever want in the world is on this side of you, let's say to the left. Okay. And this is just for pure argument's sake. So over on the left side is all the things of your vision, right? So it's the, it's the love and the family and the opportunity and the possibility. I mean, truly it's a, it's the, it's the feeling you want, but it's the stuff too, right? Mm -hmm. It's the money and it's the, this is the stuff you want. Now let's imagine that everything you don't want in the world is on the right side of you. Right. So this is the failure and the missed opportunity and the debt and the rejection. And this is the stuff you don't want. Okay. Now, here's what happens when you use the word should. When you use the word should, we have tricked ourselves. What we blindly assume is that by using the word should, we are facing the stuff we want and moving in the direction of what we want. For example, I should go to the gym. We have tricked ourselves by thinking we're actually moving in the direction of what we want, but it's completely not true. Anytime we use the word should, and it's, let's be fair here, it's really the energy of should because sometimes, and I'll, I'll come back to this, but it's the energy of should. Anytime and most likely when we use the word should, what's happening is what's in our focus is the stuff we don't want. So if I say I should go to the gym, I am not focused on flexibility. I am not focused on health and youthfulness and vitality. And what I'm focused on is, oh my God, my jeans are tight. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel fat. Oh my gosh, I ate too much cheese last night or whatever it might be. And so what we do is we face all the stuff we don't want and then we push it away from us. Now, what happens when we push? Well, we cause ourselves to drop below neutral into a negative emotion because that's resistance. But what happens if I push it away from me, which direction am I going? Huh, I'm going in the direction of what's wanted, but it comes at a cost. I might be moving in the direction of, of what I want to realize, but at a cost. And the thing about this is that when I am pushing, I'm using up resources. And when I'm pushing, I'm also looking at all the stuff I don't want. Mm -hmm. And so what's, what's challenging about that is that all the possibility and all the opportunity that I could actually step into to realize a life of youthfulness and vitality and energy, that's not available to me because I'm not looking at it. Mm. If we really want to, beyond being okay with what is and accepting what is, the, the trick is to pivot from pushing against what you don't want to really focusing on what you do want. And in that pivot, so let's use the gym example, right? So if I catch myself going, I should go to the gym. Wait, 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 hold on. Nope. Amy said, don't should on myself. Okay, so I'm not going to should on myself. So wait, if it's not a should, it's a want. So actually, mm -hmm. what do I want? So then you turn, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to feel good. I want to feel energized. <gasps> now, just in that simple pivot, the moment you pivot into what you do want, all of a sudden, all these possibilities emerge that were nowhere available when you were doing this pushing and all, and you might be, Oh wait, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to call my friend. We're going to go, I'm going to see if she wants to run around the Marina. And so all of the things that you want to realize, such as connection and being in touch with nature and health and all that stuff, all of a sudden it becomes the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance, mm. but it takes catching the should and pivoting to the want should essentially is saying, I don't really want to be doing this. 
mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it because I think others think I should do this, yeah. which has such a low vibration and is really not motivational. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had talked about once we find our purpose, it's like you just come from the inside with burning with so much desire to give is your purpose may be versus this like dragging yourself <laughs> to your work or whatever. Yeah. I remember, That's not thriving, right? That's no, not thriving. No, no. I remember, so you, you were mentioning about these agreements we have. And I remember when I first started driving and how it occurred to me that there's nothing separating us except for a paint on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet like very little terrible things happen. Obviously there are car accidents and things like that, but yeah. like for the most part, it's just agreements. Yeah. That I will follow the rules and that we will go 75 miles an hour in opposite directions and be <laughs> fine with it. <laughs> like that is really powerful mindset, right? Yes. Um, Nailed so, it. That's exactly yeah. right. And I love how, how you're talking about the energy of words and how you're thinking of like what you don't want versus what you want. It's yeah. so important. I see people all the time being like, I don't have enough time. I'm blah, 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 all the, the things that are bad versus I want more time. I, I see yeah. more time. I'm doing the things that I love. That's where we want to stay focused in order to entangle with it from yeah. a quantum perspective. Yeah. And then you can feel it. And then that yeah. helps to bring it in faster. So that that's Beautiful. awesome. Yeah. So how do we live on purpose? Is it just following our feelings and, oh, and focusing yes. on what we want and... So that's, this too is a very big conversation. And that's why I wrote my book, Living on Purpose. And there in in my book, so I've been coaching for over a decade. And in all of the, I mean, I've had thousands of conversations with the most amazing and interesting, just wide range of individuals. And after a period of time, I was really starting to see some clear themes emerge and how it is that we hold ourselves back and really truly living a life on purpose. The book details five, I call them five deliberate choices to realize fulfillment and joy. And so the longer answer is, they're actually more than five, but I just wanted to focus on these five with this book. But there are five perceptual shifts that we can make to live a life on purpose. So before I, I kind of share those, I would say some people might be asking, well, what does it mean to live on purpose? Like, What what does that mean? And you might innately sort of instinctively feel, oh, I, I get that. Yeah, I'd much rather live on purpose than on accident. It just sounds so much more fruitful. Yeah. The truth is, and I would even say even more now in this day and age, so many of us are asleep at the wheel talking about cars. We got a real good car theme going on here, don't we? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, many of us are on autopilot where life is just happening and we just kind of deploy these reactions and just living by default. And it's not, we're not really in the driver's seat of our own life. It's just, we're on autopilot. And I think COVID has a lot to do with that. I think social media has a lot to do with that. Just we're not really we're not really harnessing our moments as in the way that we could. So what does living on purpose mean? It means to really be truly awake, and you're harnessing choice in the most awake and intentional way. And by doing so, you're choosing to respond instead of react to life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what it means to live on purpose because the moment you choose to respond, now you're creating your life. You're not a victim of circumstance. And I think all of us would love to be the creators of our own life rather than a victim of circumstance. Yes. But it takes us having to really be in the driver's seat. In order to be in the driver's seat, we have to harness choice. To harness choice, we have to be, we have to decide to be awake. We have to really recognize, well, what does it mean to harness choice? And so these five choices are ones that we can begin to make to really live 
powerfully in a really fundamental way. So the first one, maybe just for fun, we'll just focus on one and really unpack it. But the first one, and it's probably the most, well, not all of them are great. And the, the great part is that you don't have to take on, take any of them on in an order. This first one kind of points back to where we started, which was really feeling it out, not figuring it out. It's like, how do we live a life that really is, that is fulfilling versus looks great on paper? So the first choice is that choose to feel it out. Don't figure it out. Now, what does this mean? Why is this important? Well, everything you want, Amy, everything you think you want, whether that's a bigger house, whether that's more organization, whether that's a longer weekend, whether that's more money, everything you want, it's not for the thing. You want it because you think it's going to make you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So at the end of every single desire and aspiration and vision, is a, a desired feeling state. But we're not taught this and we don't really realize that. And what happens is we use the thing as the middleman to this unrealized, unacknowledged desired feeling state. We usually make our best guess for what's going to get us there because we don't really <laughs> get true. clear on what it is that we actually want to feel. We just usually ask, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to make? What do you want to create? And it's like, okay. And so what happens then is that we train ourselves to follow the thing. Oh, you know, what do I want? I want a promotion. Oh, I want more money. Okay, I want a promotion. Why? Because that's what everybody does. And that's what we're <laughs> supposed to do to be successful. And that's like, great. And that's the good life, right? Because that's the should reality that lives up in the sky. Cool. So now we start chasing that. Okay, I want a promotion, want a promotion. But really, maybe what you want is more spaciousness. Maybe you want more fulfillment. Maybe you want more presence. Maybe you want more peace of mind. Maybe, but you haven't really thought about that. And yet you go chase this thing that completely works against what you actually really want. So you might achieve, achieve the promotion, but now you're miserable. Mm. And you're like, okay, well, what's the next thing? It must be another promotion. Right. It must be more money. In, <laughs> One's in all not good of, enough. Maybe two will be. <laughs> right. And it's like, wait a minute. Like I'm miserable, but my life appears fine. Like this is just <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. And so it's because, so that's what figuring it out really means. Figuring it out is following the thing figuring it out is all the things we do to strategize, plan, and map out what we have to do to achieve the thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't bring in the big question of, well, what do I want to feel? Then oftentimes we lead ourselves to these dead ends or into these, these territories that we're like, wait, why, why am I feeling like this? And so what feeling it out is instead is more of a present-based moment-by-moment process where you're like, okay, well, what feels expansive? If I've got this dilemma here on my hands and I actually think about, okay, well, if I, like, let's imagine I make this decision and I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this conference that's going to have a lot of people I don't know, but and you, you really kind of get into that. You, you really imagine yourself choosing it. And now you sense into your body, well, how does that feel? And you're feeling for it, like, well, where's the energy in your body? What's happening? And so are you feeling really expansive? Are you feeling buzzy and present? And, and like, is there energy coursing through your body? Or are you feeling really tight and constricted? And is all the energy up in your head? And you're like, it might be really frenzied, but there's this excitement, but it's tight. Feeling for that because 100%, if it's tight and it's constricted and it's frenzied, that's figuring it out. But if it's expansive and it's energizing and it's relieving, it's like the, oh, it's that breath. Even though it might not sound super sexy, but it feels really relieving, that's feeling it out. And when we can make the choices that align with feeling it out, 
that's when we truly begin to live and realize a life of wonderful abundance, tremendous synchronicity, just delight. And this is when you begin to create a life you love, not because you planned it, but because you let it emerge by Mm -hmm. virtue of what you, by following the feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's how we live on purpose. Amen. (laughs) Sing it, sister. It really is just following what feels good and keep on, keep on following that because it is so much harder to do the shoulds, to do the thing that you think you're supposed to do and then test it out and then find out that it was unfulfilling. It's like you could have been fulfilled the whole time by just listening and getting those, those synchronicities that you said, yeah. that awe, like I just gave blood the other day and I was sitting there because I was just donating blood. I sat there and I was like thinking I got some good blood because I, I do all this healing work and everything and it's high vibrational and it's full of yeah. love. And, and I go to put my music on and bleeding love, the song comes on. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, love I mean, like, like yeah, like some yeah. people might never notice that of course. my reticular yeah. activating system. I've tagged yeah. myself as healing and, and donating to the collective that love. And then that song comes on. I recognize it. And when we tag those things, it's important. We can keep following the, the trail and being like, yep, I'm on the right course. I love that. I mean, nothing's more delightful. I think I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but it was years ago and it was a Deepak Chopra saying, and he said, enlightenment is nothing other than just, it had to, it had to do with just being constantly delighted by the continual episodes of synchronicity. And I just thought, oh gosh, that just feels so right. I have to find it because I need to get that right. It made me think there's a, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's that fat something, something. Anyway, he's a Buddhist monk. He just, he laughed for four days after he became enlightened and because he was just laughing at the human experience because it, we try so hard to do the shoulds to like be something that we're not when we all we have to do when here is just be us, which is hard, but it's, that's why we're here is to figure out how to do that the most authentic way. And I I was laughing to to be and not do just as you had that realization. I know. I'm like, man, they've been programming us to be productive and like keep going and, and, and feel bad if we're not doing Uh, and more beingness uh, is what we need. So I think I might start asking people, how are you? I'm going to totally do, let's do it together. I'm think it'll start a movement. Let's start a movement. How are you being? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you because I had never heard of conversational intelligence. That's what it's called, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So can you just, I thought this was fascinating because obviously, of course it would exist, especially in today's day and age where people have such polarizing views. There's actually a science behind Mm -hmm. conversing. (laughs) Yeah. Like the intelligence of it. Like I know, I understand emotional intelligence and we've talked about that on the podcast and I'm sure it plays a role in this. So if there's anything that you could just tell me, just like film happiness. How much time do we have, Amy? Let's dive in. We can talk forever. (laughs) I know. Well, the reason I am so passionate about this and I think it's so critical to our ability to thrive as humans is because, and a lot of us don't think about it this way, but this realm of communication This is where everything is happening. The truth is none of us live in a vacuum. Everything is truly happening via this mode of communication. And what is that mode? It's conversations really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yet like 
what, what, what happens is we, we tend to just show up with a good intention, hope for the best, and then wonder why things fall apart. And it's because we haven't been taught how to zoom out and put a spotlight on this medium to really understand what the heck's going on and how do we optimize and maximize this for our true thriving. Now, what does that mean in its essence? Well, true conversational intelligence is the ability to, to connect, navigate, and grow together. And in order to do that, it really some, it requires an understanding of what's going on in the body and in the brain, like what's going on in our neurobiology as it pertains to communication. And so what's happening is that, that as we communicate, we trigger each other and we either trigger it or act, activate each other. Now, trigger is usually used in, a, in a, a negative context, but I'll use trigger and activate. But what's happening is every conversation that we are having is serving up these neurochemical cocktails that are either opening up our brain via oxytocin and allowing us to see and idea and, and imagine and innovate and empathize and take disparate ideas and bring them together and solution and look into the future optimistically and take risks. Or we trigger ourselves in ways that activate, trigger cortisol. Now, cortisol shuts down the prefrontal cortex and it puts us in survival mode. Now, what happens in survival mode? Well, now I can't see what's possible. Now I just see what's wrong instead of what's right. I go into fight or flight. I, all of these things, and right. And then, and it just, it creates a trajectory that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. And all of these trajectories are created by virtue of the interaction dynamic that is of conversation. And so there's so much opportunity for each of us humans to understand, well, what is truly effective communication via the ways in which we listen and speak? And how do we optimize ourselves to, to be open to possibility, to connect and to navigate, to collaborate, to be compassionate? It's mainly science-based, right? But what I love about it is it's just, it's the science of spirituality. It's the science, I'm going to say it this way, it's the science of giving. <laughs> right? It's just, it's the science of not giving a shit. No, it's the science of giving a shit. Okay. Well, I'm like, it's the science of giving a shit. Honestly, it's the science of giving a shit. And yeah. And what's so great about it is the moment you start to clue into it, it's fascinating because it helps you make sense of your entire life. And in, in meaning, oh my gosh, that's why I don't get along with my brother. Oh my gosh. That's why my spouse and I keep having that fight. Oh my gosh. My entire life makes sense when you start recognizing <laughs> like what, the heck's happening and what are these patterns in communication? And so that's what conversational intelligence is all about. And so I, I do a fair amount of this in my work with leaders and teams. I always bring it in because if we're going to live our best life, if we're going to be the best leader we can, if we can, if we truly want to thrive, it's not just about doing the inner work. I mean, it's very much about doing the inner work, For right? Sure. Because yeah. that determines our perception and our perceptual lens, but it's really about learning the tools and the ways in which we can navigate with one another, because the quality of our experience is really dictated by the quality of our relationships, which are created by the quality of our conversations. Mm -hmm. So that's a paraphrase of a quote by the founder of Conversational Intelligence. Her name is Judith Glazier, and she's she was a phenomenal human. Sadly, we lost her to cancer in 2018, but all of us coaches that are involved in this, we're holding the torch and keeping the, the work going. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's very important work because it's important that we be able to hear each other and each other's perspective and still live coherently with each other or <laughs> in uh, harmony, I should yeah. say. I was trying to explain to somebody recently, like I can hold your truth and my truth at the same time and they could be different and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like, I know it's your truth. Like it's okay. And this is my truth and that's okay. <laughs> you know what? But that is freedom. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that that is a choice 
that leads to freedom. Because what's, what is it that most people want to do? They think that their freedom comes in being right. Mm-hmm. They yeah. think that freedom comes from proving their, their point of view and proving their rightness. Mm-hmm. And that's just a pattern that most of most humans have fallen into. Well, no, no, no. If you saw me as right, then you'd get it. We'd be in harmony and all would be well. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. That's, that's also a very exhausting process. Oh my God. Oh, I mean, look at the strife and the truth. I mean, look at the yeah. state of the world. I mean, it's yeah. all due to yeah. this need to be right. And I refer to that a lot as the third chakra and working through that. And, mm. and I, I've seen us as a planet moving from mm. third chakra before the pandemic through like we're being birthed into the fourth, which is this state of freedom where two truths can be true actually 8 billion truths can be true all at once. Yeah. And that's the, you had mentioned something about this idea that we should be something and we feel like we're falling short. And I always like to fall back on this understanding of like, nobody gave me a manual on how to be human. And so no one, I assume nobody else got one either because <laughs> that would be unfair. Yeah. So then I'm like, you know what? Like, if I don't accomplish the things that other people think I should, like who's to say that I'm I'm right or wrong? Like, right? We right. none of nobody's starting from a place of like expertise, no. <laughs> as far as I know. I mean, obviously That's we come right. we have many lifetimes where we come in forgetting it all and then we have to remember it. That, That's That's right. Yeah. Um, so That's right. giving each other permission is important for this whole. And by permission, I mean just allowing others to be and to follow their feeling, and I and just, you don't have to make sense of it. And, no. Honestly, when we genuinely follow our feelings, it usually doesn't make sense. Because you're like, wait. No, I know. It's like, wait a minute. Why? Like, this isn't sound business. Hold hold on. But it feels amazing. And so that's where it's the, those are the scariest moments. When you're confronted with the truth, your own inner truth around, wait, my feeling is telling me to go this way, which actually doesn't make much sense. Making sense though makes me feel super tight and constricted and really quite miserable at the thought of it, but it feels safe for some weird reason. But if we, if we can gain the courage and the trust, the faith that mm-hmm. it's totally always working out for you, by the way, that's choice number three, yeah. choose to know it's always working out for you. When you combine those two things, oh, it is, the, the world starts to shift, not because yeah. the world shifts, but because you shift. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. Amazing nuggets right in there. It's been awesome talking to you. Do you have anything else you want to share? I mean, your, your website is alwaysonpurpose.com and you have a book called Living on Purpose. Right. Is there anywhere else that we could reach you or you want yeah. to leave us with anything else? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. There's a lot of resources on my website. You can stay in touch with me via my website. I'm not a big fan of social media. I do have a text-based community. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's just, that's a, that's a big should for me. I just, I would much rather spend my attention and my time and my focus in other places. I, I figured that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I do have a lovely text-based community so you can join and get updates and inspiration and all that stuff because it just feels more personal. The book, Living on Purpose, it's available where all books are sold. I also did the audio book. So if oh, you're the kind of person awesome. that likes the audio book, you can listen to it. And then I am on LinkedIn because it's a great way that I keep in touch with all of my clients because I work yeah. primarily with organizations and companies right, of course. and teams. And I find that LinkedIn is the least resistant platform that allows me, me to For me, most more. resistant. And I'm working on that. <laughs> That's why I said you're my academic twin. Like you're like the one that I like wish I could just download like the organizational mind. I it, I love it though. I love how you're, you just know what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not. Being a business owner, it's hard to, for oh. me because sometimes I'm like, I, I like literally yesterday told one of my, somebody on my team, I'm like, 
No, but I, I can tell you I <laughs> that I'll do it, but it's, I know that I won't. So like, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, I you love know your thyself. clarity. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, uh, yes but like, we're yes. going to have to figure out another way around this. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you're awesome, Amy. I love well, everything likewise. that you've said. What a great resource you are. And thank, thank you, you for bringing so much light into this world. Oh, right back at you, sister. I, what a pleasure. I really hope we can get together at some point. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal. Content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.